All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Rufus Rundown. This is, I believe, season four, episode ten, because I am going to count those last two. Uh, was it the game pre-game five and post-game five episodes? But this is going to be the final reaction to the NBA Finals, as well as another guest appearance and first time for Israel Fatada. I get that last last name pronunciation right? Yeah, you got it right. So he is the CEO, founder of uh, the Know Yourself Clothing brand. Also, a uh, pretty good basketball player himself, is my roommate at Dean. So we're going to kind of go through how we met and then kind of his basketball background. And then we'll get into you know the clothing brand as well. And the NBA Finals is the real the real big topic because we've been texting back and forth about that. Pretty, pretty much the whole playoffs, I'm pretty sure, we, we talked about for the most part the whole way through, right? I mean... I think we were on campus for what the Brooklyn Nets series, the first round we were all on campus for, and then from there it was kind of like at the end everybody started to move out and it was finals right for the next round. Yeah. Because I remember the big one while we were on campus was like the Timberwolves um, Grizzlies series where oh yeah that was that was a great series where where Ja was going off and Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, everybody doing their thing for the (laughs) for the Grizzlies, but obviously the eventual. golden state championship over uh memphis but anyways i didn't know israel before he's my roommate and israel was not my roommate off the rip i know you at dean where you were living in bray you were mm-hmm. less than happy with where you were living off the rip this semester or the, the, yeah the, mm-hmm. the, that first semester yeah um thanks first i want to say thanks for having me on the show it's a pleasure and um yeah i was definitely not happy uh I was so grateful for you to let me um, move in with you. You've been the best roommate that uh, I've ever had, so that's that's for sure. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I remember my roommate was there. We I had like all August to myself into September, and he like moved in like very like last second of the day. I don't know what the move in plan was, and I and I still keep in touch with him. He actually swiped out one of my Celtics things. I didn't, but I never really got to know him that well. Just like. You know, wasn't wasn't around for a couple of days, and then, you know, very quickly, you know, moved out. You know, stuff goes on; people have to deal with stuff, and whatever may have been going on. You know, he moved out, and I was like, "Oh, wish you well." So then, on from that, from there on, I'm thinking, man, I got a double to myself, and for like a month there, I was I was living I was living large. I had both beds pushed together. Mm-hmm. I was using everything. Like the room was set up to like the way I needed it. Like I was just doing me. Like nothing really changed from spring from well from summer camp to like the way I was doing through October. And then I forget, I don't know exactly when it was you hit me up and like, for whatever reason, yeah. I remember the second I said yes. And like, I sat there and then thought of it. I'm like, why? I'm like, dude, why did I say yes? Like, I didn't, I didn't know you were. It was like someone who knew me asked me, like, I remember like thinking uh, of uh, my teammates, like, why'd you say yes? And I was like, why did I feel like inclined to say yes? Like that? I feel like I, it's not like I felt like I had to, it wasn't like I got a message from the school saying anything. I got a DM from you on Instagram, like randomly. I didn't know. I was just like, yeah, sure. Why not? The funny, thing, the funny thing about it is when I DM'd you, I even told uh, my friends, I was like, if he says no, I completely understand because if somebody wanted to move in with me, I would probably say no too. So I was sh- just as shocked when you said yes. So like this as fate would have it, we sit here now. Yeah. Yeah, as good friends at this point, which is kind of, which is why, why like I like that part of the story. Like I have no idea why I said yes. And like instantly regretted saying yes. Like I spent the next couple of days trying to think of some <laughs> form of excuse or, or way to get out of this. Like 
I even like I made up excuses myself. Like, you know what? Maybe like I had to anyways. Like, they probably were just gonna put it with me anyways, right? Like, I had to make peace with myself as to like why I did that. Like, I was kicking myself. Where I was like, damn. But then like you know, he moved in. Whatever. We go through it, and obviously here we sit as we go through it throughout the uh, throughout the semester, and it's been been a great experience. Me, best roommate I've had as well. Not that I have. I've had like I've had one roommate for it was literally a couple days, and. I had a roommate at UMass Dartmouth as well too, but it's like I wasn't incredibly close with um, my roommate at UMass Dartmouth either. Like obviously, like a good, I mean, every any roommate that you don't have problems with and you don't like doesn't interfere with your schedule and you don't have anything with is is considered a good roommate, right? As long as you don't have issues with the person you're living with and you can go about your life in just a consistent manner, you can stay on a schedule and there's no disagreements or things stolen or things broken you luck out because i know i hear a lot of horror stories i'm sure i mean you how many you went to what one junior college or two junior colleges uh, i went to one junior college you, and what? yeah for sure there's always things stolen and and just <clears throat> just to, uh to be able to talk to you and come to an agreement on stuff like there's no situation about like trash or the room being uh dirty like it, it's definitely a blessing yeah, that's the thing too. We talked about it too, being older and having seen some stuff and been through different parts of our life as opposed to other people that lived in our building or even on college on a college campus in general. We were our our dorm was clean. I'm not just like we're not just like pumping ourselves up in that in that sense. Like we kept a very organized and clean roomer as best as we could. Like even when I had my shoulder pads and stuff in there because the locker room wasn't ready, which won't be the case this year, which is nice. Um, we had it. We still had a you know a good room atmosphere in there. We weren't doing anything stupid in there. You know, we had, they like said, we never really had any disagreements. I had, I had the fridge that we both, we both had the fridge thing. Actually, yeah. we, we both, <laughs> we, we, we both had the fridge issue. Um, at one point with leaving stuff in there, but other than that, we were, we were good. Um, which mm. is, which is always, which is always a plus, which like I said, it was a good semester. And here we sit, you know, you're building up your brand. I'm building up my brand. We're helping each other out and just talking basketball at that point throughout you know, the playoffs, which is good. I had, I had multiple group chats and stuff. Like I said, you're probably the only person I could talk to that wasn't disowning me for saying Jason Tatum wasn't that dude after the Miami series. Like I had people up here, like, you know where I live. Like, I'm, yeah. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not like, I don't want to be friends with you or I want to kick you from this chat. You're lucky you can't kick from Snapchat group chats. And like, you know, I'll do respect. <laughs> I'll, I'll do respect. I'll do respect your passion about your team. But you know, like I just, I believe what I believe. Now, do I, sometimes I, I pick and choose words that are more name calling as opposed to a take to poke the bear a little bit. So that's on me. I, I will take accountability for doing stuff like that. But like, if you get a question, your friendship with someone over a sports take, yeah. eh, you, you know where I live. You want to settle something? Yeah. You know, pull up, pull up. We get, we, I got grass out front, grass out back. You know, if, if you, if you want to go, you can go. But, um, I saw that's what all, I, I saw what I saw. That's all a part of being a fan though. Like, uh, being able to uh, like a certain player, but still critique him like every other player. So. Yeah, that's that's the position that I sit in, and it even got to that point too. Where a lot of times I like I'm very un- I'm like I have to be unbiased. I, I mean, biased to my own take sometimes. But like I have to be very like neutral. I can't just you know pump up Ross, and I also just can't slam him too to make myself look like see guys. I'm not biased because all I do is shit all over the Boston Celtics. Like I have to. I have to be neutral as can be. Like some guys in the press, like they crush Boston specifically so that they don't look neutral to the rest of the sports world. They overdo it. Um, that is that is not me. So, but again, you were one of the more neutral people I could talk to because 
you know, we just watch basketball from a entertainment perspective. You know, I like I said, I made my prediction. I hope I hoped I was wrong. I don't believe people believe that I hope that I was wrong. I mean, I like to be right. If my team's gonna lose, I mean, I'd like to be right about it. I'm not gonna like if I go out and say yeah. Celtics in six and my team loses and I look like an idiot. That is just that's that's a negative negative. That's just that's yeah. just not good. Mm-hmm. So with the with the position that I have here, I'd like to you know, if I'm gonna be you know if my team's gonna lose, at least I'm right. So that's that's mm-hmm. the plus that I see out of that. But uh, talk to me a little bit about like your basketball journey, you know, throughout high school and into. You know, the JUCO process, and then eventually ended up at uh, at Dean. So a little bit about me. Um, I started basketball. Some would consider late, especially in this day and age, around seventh grade. And like the minute I, you know, touched it, I fell in love. And so, you know, I played in middle school and uh, played in high school. I finally I got to varsity my sophomore year. So um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't bad. I wasn't much of a score in high school. Probably uh averaged um anywhere from 12 or 14 points I, I can't give you the exact uh average well over like seven assists though so i was always like a floor general so i when i talk about the game i like to see that um but coming right out of high school i didn't understand the uh the difference between uh juco d1 d2 d3 so i had a juco offer to uh blend um it's in Texas, it's actually where Cam Newton went to school, but um, I didn't accept it, and I did not play my first year out of high school. So um, one day I'm just sitting in there and I'm just watching hoops, and I'm like, man, there's no way that like I shouldn't be playing. So I just decided to myself that I don't care if I'm working or in school, I'm gonna put in this extra time and I'm gonna find a way to get back on the team. So I worked for like a year on that and then I finally got a call from a um, JUCO, uh, D1 JUCO school cleared in college and they told me that I could come on pretty much as a walk-on and see if I could make my way on the team. I went there and uh, the first semester it was definitely hard you know trying to get back to things. I went through my ups and downs but the second semester I kind of got it and uh, things got better and I was able to make the roster and play a couple games and actually did well in a couple games. Leaving that school, I had a couple D3 offers. And then if I had an offer to go Juco again, but I wasn't trying to spend that long in Juco, I'm sure everybody can understand that. And so I, that's how I ended up at Dean. So your brother as well too, right? On the, on a, not like the same path to Dean, obviously, but on a similar yeah. uh, collegiate path as well, right? Yes, yeah, my brother, that's mainly who I uh, trained and worked out with, you know. Uh, he went to uh, Tyler Junior College, uh, straight out of high school. The college that uh, Jimmy Butler went to, uh, the Juco he went to, and um, he played one season there, and then he uh, missed a semester, and now he's on his way to Coastal Bend. It's in the same conference as Tyler Junior College, so he gets another shot to, you know, everyone wants to go D1 or, you know, D2, that's the goal, but... I, you know, so he gets his shot. That's it. It's all about the journey. I mean, I don't care what level you're playing at at the at the collegiate level. If you're D1, D2, D3, NAIA, junior college, whatever division, you know, through the junior colleges, you you're competing, and, and not many people. And it's and it says more to the work ethic and the commitment than anything. Like you want to talk about skill level and all that. You you can talk. You can you can vary out the skill levels of kids that play at those levels. Go right ahead, but 
these are people. Scratch that, scratch that. Uh, you're right because the goal is just to keep playing. Because when you're not playing, you're gonna feel it. Like you're you're gonna feel like something's missing. So the goal is to just keep playing and get an education. So it's not really much about D one and D two. And like I said, you can you can you can comp the skill levels, and I'll, there's a conversation to be had there about you know who's getting paid, who's going to the league. I, I get it. There's obviously varying numbers in terms of that, but when people are competing at, with something that they love, that are taking time out of their thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar a year schools, wherever they may be going, college is not cheap anywhere you go. You're not going to find any college where it's like, yeah, man, I'm paying like you know like you know ten grand a year or you know five grand a year. I mean, dependent on you know situations and whatnot. I know. Everybody's situation is different financially, but on average, you're not going to find anybody saying, yeah, this school's like cheap. Like I'm going to walk out of here with no debt. Like that is that like, unless you're at a D one, you're, you're getting paid that full at this level. You're competing because you love to compete, which while the skill, while skill levels at certain levels may vary, uh, the competition at these levels is what raises people in terms of the entertainment value that you're going to see out of these games and the competition you're going to get in competing to play. So you're still getting to do something you love. And it's not like it's some, throwing together a pickup game or some semi-pro game. And I, I say that all the time, too, when I had Cam on as well, too, who's a D3 track runner for UMass Dartmouth. He's back-to-back All-American. He's competing on the national stage. He's went to Ohio. He's been to North Carolina for, you know, national meets against the best kids in his division around the world. So at the end of the day, you're, you're competing at still one of the highest levels you can compete at, at least in the U.S., and I, I think people deserve the credit for it. And obviously, it puts you... Um, with your journey and your brother's journey, understanding, you know, hoops in a different level. I've learned so much just from listening to you in terms of like where people went and, and from and stuff like that. And it's understanding different parts of the game, which is why I enjoy talking basketball with you and why, you know, we're going to, like I said, get, get into the NBA finals eventually as well too. Thank you. Thank you. It means a lot. So before we get into the finals though, we will go to a commercial break before that. Um, obviously the clothing brand there, you can see it on the, uh, the sweatshirt there which I own the same all-black fit. I actually had, should have taken a picture last night, but I went to a um, semi-pro football game for my trainer, Antil's Performance Strength Conditioning. So if you need any of that, you can go check him out. I have the, his stuff linked out in the description there. And I will have an ad video for him coming as well. Um, and he'll be on the podcast as well in the future. But I went to one of his games last night. It was at Bridgewater State. Um, so the fit was, was this, was the Dean with the, the Know Yourself sweat, uh, Sweatpants and Air Force Ones, which I thought was just, you know, it was a pretty good fit check for myself, you know. it re- The the black and the white with the gray ones that I have goes goes really well. Uh, really comfortable. My dad's like, man, you could, like, golf in those. Something like they, they, they look good. There's a sleep, they're a good design. Um, and that's just one of the many things you have um, over at Know Yourself, at least from, from what I've seen. I'm always posting a lot of stuff. And, you know, I'm through the paychecks that I save because I have to save a ton of money per paycheck just because I know football is going to put a huge dent in my wallet trying to get myself to to get my next purchase um from you guys but tell me a little bit about how you kind of discovered uh the brand so our brand uh know yourself um our slogan is discover who you are so basically we want to push the um message that you know discover who you are what you like your talent don't follow the trend because a lot of people will follow what people do around them or what they think is acceptable a lot of people have like parents that tell them what to do but in my uh experience in not only basketball with college and just life is that when i try to follow other people's advice other people's um viewpoints on things things never worked out for me but when i 
sat down and decided like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to go for. Things always flourish for me. So I just try to push that message out for everyone else. The key part about our brand is we try to make everything affordable because um, we're trying to push the message out more than, the, you know, just having a clothing brand. Yeah, I mean, obviously right now with everything that's going on, uh, price gouging and every, everything prices are going up and everything. So uh, keeping it there. Obviously, like I said, it's 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 very affordable right now. Like everybody's situation, like I said, everybody's situation becomes different. Um, as, as much as I've been able to support, I've been able to support, and like we've always said too, with, with you know up and coming brands, just sharing too, because I can't, we can't forget to talk about your TikTok following as well too. Which I don't know what the oh, yeah. I don't know what the numbers at with that. Um, it's it's what it's over fifty k, right? You go, you get fifty three. Yeah, we, we just reached uh, fifty five and a half k. And we just uh, got back to a seven million spike. So, so that's that's huge. That's so. What we've always talked about at length too is just sharing. You know, mm-hmm. it's a matter of being able to purchase the clothes and support that way. But also, you're you're too, you're always two clicks away from sharing something out that someone might buy um, something from you or follow something. You're always and it's just it. A share goes a long way, whatever it may be, whether I might, I might get a, you know, a, do, a donation or a purchase or 50 here or a buy one, get one here, whatever it may be. When it goes, when it goes out there and even if you can't buy something at that time or you've already bought it or that one share might lead to that and they might then the next time see something, share something because they like their product or they liked my podcast or they like the clip of my podcast just hitting that retweet or just hitting that repost or posting on your story. I mean, you don't even have to say anything with it. Just seeing it and it being there and the numbers game that everybody plays with the stuff is and, 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 the, alg- and the algorithms as well. People, do, I don't think people see it enough as much as we do, which is why that's all we, you know, really is some of the stuff that we only really, all we ask for is just that form of support. Some people like, if, if they're not doing enough, like I, I've got that anxiety before too and I was, um, just starting this or even other you know factors in my life where if I'm not if I wasn't where I needed to be or my end goal if I wasn't there like kind of almost why bother doing it so I some people yeah. I feel get that anxiety of well if I can't buy or I can't purchase right now or if I can't do this or if I can't do that like just the share and sharing out and being able to like and follow like, like I said all your stuff will be linked in the description um it, it does a lot more than people think and um especially you know me getting into content creating I've uh, kind of studied some algorithms and you'd be surprised if right when someone posted something within those first couple of hours in the first 24 hours, the amount of reach they get if people were to like and comment and uh, share early. So like if you have like, let's say 10 good friends that always share what you have, them 10 shares in the beginning could do so much uh, impact as far as to your post or your um content that you've created yeah it's it, it's crazy the the algorithms and content creation and the past and the avenues that everything takes like i said i slack from time to time like i know youtube's a very consistent platform and yeah. it's just it's tough. it's so tough to stay consistent for me between the way that i train which is another thing that i've tried to capitalize on but i've also lagged behind on my vlogs for that too so it's the ways that i train um then posting the clips of this then posting other clips you know, just when I have the chance to, like, I've made my efforts and I've been good in those periods of time. Like, I get the results, but it's just like the ability for, like, with my schedule to do what I want to do. That's why I've posted the shorter podcast a little bit, you know, 26, you know, 30 minutes of, like, this will be, you know, 
longer because I like to give guests more of a platform. But, you know, one topic shows might be more of the way that I'm able to go, like respond to one game, just respond Mm -hmm. to football. You know, that's where the social media channels come in too because a lot of my takes that I don't have time to get to go on Twitter and stuff like that too. So that's why I always like to, you know, pump stuff out there. And that's where I got my uh, Warriors prediction out there, and I was pretty spot on with it again. Yeah, you were. But, um... Yeah, I, I the the brand I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of. You see it up there. Like I said I link it in the description all the time. And again, I'm gonna have the ad video for you ready that you can post. But as well as I'll have it on here. Like I said, when I go, we'll go to commercial after this, and that will be it for the first time. So you'll be able to see it on here, and everybody else will be able to see it and go over and, and check out knowyourself.com, um, and and check it out there. So the big thing right now was the recent shirt launch, right? Um, yes, we we got um a shirt um. It's called Uncovered. It's called Uncovered, and it's dropping on Monday. And so we have um, shorts that we just dropped that are red and blue shorts. I actually have one on. You don't, you know. So um, these shorts we just dropped, and um, we have red and blue of those. And we are coming with some trucker hats. That's um, I haven't released that out, so that's just you know that's exclusive to the podcast. But we have some trucker hats coming. Um, we have a couple colors in those too as well. I was gonna ask about it. I was gonna ask off camera, of course, but now that we're now that we're on the topic of it, I was gonna ask about like baseball caps or trucker hats, just because like I don't know. I thought about it. Like I got the beanie, you know. I got the beanie. I got this. I got the. I got the jumpsuit. But like in terms of like, I'm like that trucker hat. I'm gonna be able like that's 12 months a year. You can wear that 12 months a year. Same with a t-shirt. You know, you had you had the sweatsuits. You had the shorts, which do well, and they look good. And, and I gotta get me. I gotta get me a pair of the shorts too, because that's something that like I'm, you know, going to the beach throughout the summer and stuff. Like, I'm be rocking those. That's 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 the goal, especially with some of like the old school basketball jerseys and stuff that I have. That's like, that's like the fit vibe that I get. And like everything for me goes with like the ones that I have or like the better sneakers. Like I feel like it's it's that's what I feel like wearing it with is just like actual like putting fits together. It gets me in the mood to do that, uh, especially with like the jumpsuit and stuff like that. That I think the hat. Like, like a trucker style hat in terms of like the summer or golfing in it for me and stuff like that. Like that's year round. I wear dark trucker hats yeah. year round. Looking forward to the new launches. Um, again, wishing you the best Thank of that. You. And I'll make sure that everybody, like I said, has the social medias to go to. What's the Know Yourself Instagram page up to? That recently hit a, uh, a milestone as well too, right? So right now we uh, we just hit about eighteen hundred. Um, our next big goal is two thousand. If we can get to two thousand, I feel like um, not that followers is the only thing that matters in brands, but I feel like when pay, uh, people see pages with more followers, they have a little bit more trust as far as uh, the brand. Because sometimes I've seen stuff I've liked, but like uh, it has a little bit of followers, and not that I didn't order it, but like you just you don't. You don't know if um, it could be a scam, you know, and so sometimes having a high following can help that, you know, build trust and it shows that other people like it, you know, even though our brand is to go away from what other people do and uh, to do what you like to do, um, people still sometimes don't support things unless they see other people doing it. There's a, there's a psychological factor to it, of course, and then when it comes to money and stuff too and where you're putting your credit card information i think that it's fair to you know you can yeah. i mean you can have you can trust in yourself and trust in what you like and and know yourself yeah. to the core but you can still get scammed by people if you're yeah. not if you're not care if you're not careful so 
that's always clutch. It's always clutch with like the Google bots and stuff too. I know Google spider bots and all that stuff I've learned about with blogging at least like if people are purchasing it, aren't complaining, aren't trying to get their money back and refunds and et cetera, et cetera. Obviously your site's going to rank higher and do better and stuff like that too. So that's yeah. a totally different avenue. But yeah. Being able to trust that. Cause I think one time I tried to order some old jerseys like cheap during the pandemic and some of them came yeah. through from another site, but yeah, I got screwed by one of them. So I'm definitely skeptical of some sites. I wouldn't say yours is one because, of, of course, that follower, the account that you have, the two pages that you have, um, which I I like the different the two like the two different ones that know yourself. Like the know yourself content, it's way better than I can do. You're way more creative than than like myself in terms of like those brief windows and stuff with how you're able to rep stuff out with the music and the sounds and and stuff like that. Like. Your ability to do that and grow and grow your brand is is very commendable. So that's that I did want to get out there. Thank you. So, is there anything else you want to touch on about know yourself? Any other drops or things you want to go upon? Anybody want to shout out in terms of like you know how it came together and how it was brought up? I want to shout out uh, um, my brother and my sister. They you know gave me the motivation to start, and I want to shout out uh, my girlfriend Scott. She's been a big help in you know, the process of things. Like <clears throat> sometimes if I'm in class or I'm at work, if uh, some orders need to be shipped or anything, you know, she's there. So she's a big part of, um, you know, the the brand. And uh, another thing I just want to say is uh, we, like he said, we any type of support helps. So just even telling somebody else about the brand and like what it represents and what it means, it means the world. So it's not always, for us, it's not always about buying things. Because you get the biker shorts down too. Now that I, now that I thought about oh, yeah, you shot yeah. of that sky, you get the biker shorts too that you drop. Like I said, it's going to be endless, really. It's Once it's a clothing brand and the way that you've continued to build it and the follower counts go up, you know, and this the page moves up and your content continues to move up, obviously there's going to be more and more in terms of, you know, what you're able to drop and colors and all that stuff. So, it, they said you've you've steadily built it. You built that foundation with that first drop, and and you've been moving up with it. Um, and like I said, very very commendable in terms of being able to do it while you're in school. Um, like I get to see the day to day of it too. Like I said, yeah. like I said, we so we yeah. keep a clean room. It's pretty cool to have two people that are, you know, progressing with their own brands all at the same time too. Fact, fact. Seeing you with the podcast has definitely uh you know helped me appreciate the content creating and how to uh you know edit you know i'm trying to learn more into it it's hard man it's it's not a it, it's just, it's a time consuming thing i mean it's time consuming to learn it's time consuming because the thing is with a lot of editing and content creation is that yeah you, know, you can continue to do the same thing over and over once you get good at it you know and everything mm-hmm. gets easier but then once like stuff gets simple how much are you really doing to elevate what like what you're doing so like you can do you can do your sim you can do a simple skit for TikTok or a simple sound or whatever it may be or certain things or st- like you like it, it's a little different for you in terms of like because you get sounds you like to focus on and stuff yeah. like that but you understand what you can do with it stuff might be more advanced in one sound as it is the next yeah. but still having the skill to adapt to each you know each opportunity and it's the same thing yeah. with me like I could I I could put together just us talking right now just record like a, I used to just record Zoom calls and and put it up there. Mm-hmm. Like this is no longer just recording a Zoom call. This is me using a yeah. different app. This is me sizing this up. This is me taking, yeah. you know, people that I appreciate and are supportive of my podcast that have businesses that I get the shout out, and then I obviously have 
the the intros playing here in the bottom left. This is the first time I've done any of like this on the episode. Normally it's either yeah. Zoom or a Skype or like my face on the screen at the same time, like the actual Discord window. Like more and more research goes through. I mean, obviously you could stick with the first thing that works for you or, or, or keep it simple, but I don't know I get I get kind of bored when stuff is simple and I'd rather, you know, progress and do more. So obviously there's a like you said, you gotta continue to come up with ideas for your stuff too, which is you know, it is not easy. Being being creative is not an easy thing. People just think if you have creativity, that's one thing. But being having the drive to continue to to build that up and, and change rapidly because social media, nothing changes more rapidly than social media and content creation. The consistency is hard about it. Hard. Now, with TikTok, how did how did that start up for you? How did you start building up like that social media channel? Okay, that was funny because I was like everyone else uh, during the current quarantine. Uh, you know, a lot of people got it, and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, nobody's about to get on that kid app." And you know, that was me. But uh, when I got to uh, Clarendon, uh, the junior college, uh, my roommate he was pretty big on TikTok. He had like thirty thousand followers, and he would make TikToks, and then so you know, I would help him record them. So. After a while, he was like, just get into one. And then so I got into one and a lot of people were asking like, hey, who is that? Like, who are you with? Like, you know, and he started going live and they would ask me like, why don't you make one? Like, if you make one, I'll call you right now and all this other stuff. So I made one and still, you know, not really any videos, but I was getting followers without videos because of him. And so I decided to, you know, one video led to the other. And then I was lucky, like my fourth or fifth video, like got a million uh, views. So at that point, I'm like, what can I do with this? You know, and um, I had a, a friend from uh, Sam Houston right before I got to um, Clarendon that he did TikTok. And I used to tell him he was lame and everything. And uh, he it ended up uh paying his bills like he moved to cali uh by tiktok and youtube and and he would post like oh he's at this rapper's party and this rapper's party so it it did well for him so once i seen that hey this has the potential to help you not even if i'm just gonna do content creating just you know to put my name out there and think other things i want to do like um, my clothing brand that's what really got me into TikTok. yeah that was the thing like i i go back to the early stages of uh of YouTube. And I think about that often about how lucrative the money was before it turned into like the platform it is now with YouTube TV and everything and how hard it is to monetize is lack base back then. Oh my God, there were people that were making crazy money with the monetization platform. And that really helped grow what it was. TikTok popped off a lot quicker than YouTube. It took years for people to really capitalize on YouTube money. Everybody talk about making that YouTube money. Well, TikTok blew up very quickly in terms of I forget what the price was that they would pay per view over a certain amount. And I remember people heard that and then quarantine hit and everything kind of just you know, really came together uh, quickly for it. And you have obviously you have a lot of celebrities out there now that they're not just mainly doing TikToks now. They have podcasts. Yeah. They have brands. They're going on tours. They work for Barstool Sports. They work for, you know, they, they have like, and now they have podcasts put together. I know um, OG on TikTok, OG... Um, 24 yeah. seven basketball, like those guys all came together to make a podcast amongst them, like a panel pretty much to sit yeah. down and talk because everybody respects their opinions one-on-one and now they all talk and come together and it's just another form of content. So that's one there. 
Um, obviously, there's that, there's that um, BFFs podcast with Portnoy, uh, that Brianna Chicken Fry Girl, and Josh Richards. So, like, you have these different outlets that, that have just blossomed from TikTok. Obviously, TikTok's going to continue to grow. You can post longer videos. There's diff- there's always going to be trends. And then from there, people have been able to build from there. Like, you have the clothing brand that is obviously one hand can feed the other there because the more the people like yeah. your content, the more willing to support a brand that you're building up yourself. So I I think it's I think it's really cool. Um, and I think, like I said, again, impressive what you're able to do with it. Uh, what's the... <laughs> What's the uh the what do you think the funniest story you could probably you could tell? I mean, obviously there might be ones you can't tell. What do you think the funniest story you could tell in terms of like your time TikToking? Because like obviously there's so many like there's like whatever the funniest trend might be or just a story from it yeah. that you could tell on here. The funniest that I don't probably I'll go with like the funniest video I've ever made, and it has to be the one where it was like uh, Miranda Cosgrove was like uh probably fucked yeah yeah <laughs> everyone kept making videos you know yeah mocking the uh the laugh and everything but i i went a different route and i uh named i mean i captioned it when uh you're working with the two most annoying co-workers and like i just was looking back and forth easiest tiktok that's the thing like the hard tiktok sometimes don't even uh <laughs> blow up it was one of the easiest tiktoks i've ever made and it blow up and it was just it was so funny because it was relatable like we've always we everyone has been in a class in a room at even anywhere uh with annoying people that are just you know being obnoxiously loud and um it just it was it was relatable so that's probably my favorite and funniest thing yeah i'm pretty sure you face palming and stuff i like i felt it you showed me i thought i was thought it's funny as hell <laughs> And then I forget what was it? I mean, we send each other them like countless ones. Like you got to look at like yeah. Mr. Go 30. Like that, that oh, dude, yeah. that, that dude was his name. I think Brennan Clinton's his actual name. That dude yeah. is one of the funniest, the funniest dudes that I've seen like on any social media. Like the game six one, we, we watched the game six Celtics one. The game yeah. five one. Oh my God. Of course, of course he made Charles Grant Williams. I don't know if you watched the game five one. <laughs> Where Charles with the glasses on is looking at it. Of course, it's Grant Williams giving you like one point and like one rebound and like three fouls off the bench, which again, we'll, we're going to get into it. We're going to go right after we finish this up, we'll go to commercial break and do it. But yeah, no, I think I think it's a great app, great platform to be on. And uh, like I said, all the stuff will be linked to for you guys to go follow Israel um, in the description. Content creating, if you don't see it as. Um like work a job like if you see it as fun it's always it's always fun it's always funny and then you got to see it in the long run you can't see it as today you got to see it like um a lot of people started you know just having fun and look at the opportunities they got so that's how you got to see it yeah i think like dude perfect's a perfect example that at least in the youtube generation they stay just out there having fun um, exactly, and, and it turned into just an immense business opportunity for those guys. They were able to go into stadiums and get professional athletes to do work with them, and that's just exactly. one of the examples off the top of my head that I can think of. We're gonna head to commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna break down the NBA finals, which uh, we're gonna answer calls too. We're gonna take some take some of the calls, take some of the text line um, that was on on there as well. Which I don't have the number up on the screen. That's the one thing I forgot to add here, but. Um, like of course, we'll break down all the calls that we get, all the texts that we got. I said, I think I got what I say, three texts, two calls um, to break down, and then some of our own thoughts that I think we'll just, throughout the calls and stuff that we take, we'll go through. So stay tuned after the commercial break.
Know Yourself Clothing is a brand that's all about you. The slogan, Discover Who You Are, is about finding your interests and talents versus what everyone else is doing. This brand is a nice mix between a positive message and a great streetwear apparel. They just dropped a summer collection that they are adding to weekly. Head over to knowyourself.com, yes, knowyourself.com, to get yours today. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome back from commercial break. Um, now we're going to get into your calls and your texts from the NBA Finals. Of course, the Boston Celtics losing in six games to the Golden State Warriors, the Golden State Warriors dynasty, fourth championship in the last eight years. Stephen Curry solidifying himself as one of the best I think anybody's ever seen do it. Um, and Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and the rest of the Warriors getting their last laugh at TD Garden, which, again, I'll pull up that clip too where I said, you know, it's easy to say F Draymond, F Draymond, but then when he comes back and raises the trophy on your court, you can't really say much, and there wasn't much to be said. It is Warriors and six. And it's not just because I predicted it, it's just Warriors and six. The Celtics have no soul left, have nothing left. Um, so we'll get into that, but we'll break down the first call now. Yep, Nick Higgins, Bridgewater Mass, longtime listener, huge fan, first-time caller. Got a lot to say, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm heartbroken. I think that this season was a success. Going under 500 around midseason and just, you know, going back, you know, into what they should have been all along, getting to the finals, I, I, it was a success, but... We should have closed out because we were the better team. I mean, I like the way we matched up against the Warriors. And I think, honestly, Tatum probably fumbled it. Uh, it sucks, but, yeah, I mean, our best player really shit the bed. Um, who knows? Do you think, like, moving forward, is this just something like he's young and not ready? Or is he just going to be like a Paul George who just chokes in the clutch? Um, I mean, that's just where my head's at, but... I mean, oh well, season's over. Go Red Sox, go Patriots. Fuck it. Alrighty, so Nick, thank you for the call. Um, obviously, a lot to get into, but I'll start with the um, the fact of the matter was that he thought that the Celtics were the better and deeper team than the Warriors. Um, Israel, did you think that the Warriors were the lesser of the two teams there and it was more Steph Curry and the Celtics were the better and deeper team? Going into the finals, I did think that um, the Celtics had the deeper team because, um, you know, in the Eastern Conference, Derek White was playing well, Marcus Smart was playing well, Horford, um, even Pritchard had games. You know, Grant Williams had a game against the Bucks where he scored like 20-something points. So I thought they were deeper going in, but about first, I mean, after watching the first two games, I kind of realized that, like, okay, the Warriors might be a little deeper team, so. Yeah, like I said, I, I I felt that it was up until game four that the Celtics, it was Celtics in five almost. Like the Celtics were just clearly out playing and just out just wanted it more in the Warriors. Of course, game two was more, um, I think the Celtics, I mean, game one, you were going to have a serious drop-off from game one to game two. I mean, that was one of the coldest drop-offs you'll see. I mean, I don't even think any of the big th- the Celtics starting five played in that fourth quarter. Um, and I don't even think they played at all in that fourth quarter of that game. I think Jason Tatum put it one shot, and other than that, nobody really played. Um, but 
Peyton Pritchard did not play well in the latter of games after game four. Brent Williams did not play well. Derek White did not shoot the ball as well. as I mean, 15 of 23 shooting in game one for Marcus Smart, Derek White, and Al Horford from three. And Draymond Green pretty much told you we're okay with that. That won't happen again. And everybody talked about him, and everybody's like, is he sliding the, the Celtics? Of course, yeah, he absolutely was. He absolutely was saying, like, you know, we like our chances. We'll fix our rotations. We'll, we'll play better defense. But also, like, we kind of like our odds with those guys shooting the rock like that. And uh, it looked like they were deeper because they were hitting more shots. But then they just weren't hitting those shots. I mean, Derek White was putting up one-point performances. Grant William with three points, three rebounds. Peyton Pritchard just, I don't games at least four through six, I don't believe he hit a three. I don't believe he hit a shot at all. So, I mean, like, just, it kind of, the wheels fell off the wagon. And then you have Gary Payton, who shot very well from three. He plays great defense. And Gary Payton, when Gary Payton's hitting the ball from three, as well as playing defense, that's a plus. Um, Jordan Poole with some of the most miraculous three-point jumpers to end third quarters that I've seen. I mean, like, you can't, like, those are those are worth way more than three points, right? I mean, like, they're only worth three on the scoreboard. But the way in which he hit those, like, half quarters and those that banked three to end those quarters and halves like those are worth way more than the three points that go up on the scoreboard right yes definitely like what it does to your crowd and your team it just it's, it's tough to watch i me and the opposing team like when i watched the celtics come back 75 74 in what was that game four right when pool hit that one to go up 75 74 oh, yeah. or was it game five that he hit that three I think it was game four, right, to go up by one going into the fourth. Because I, I think because the Celtics out, sure, I think yeah, because yeah, the Celtics actually outplayed them in the third quarter. I want to say it was game four, and then he hit that and it just changed. And you just it just absolutely changed momentum. Um, and as things went on, it just I just again the Celtics looked a better team until game until about four minutes left in game four, when Steph Curry absolutely snatched the soul out of everything Celtics the the the, the crowd. The fans, the, the coaching staff, Brad Stevens, Jason Tatum, you name it, he took it, and they didn't give it back. Like, once they, you know, there were guys struggling, guys that weren't shooting well. Clay had a game where he, I, I, Clay put up, what, 25 points in game three? And it still didn't even feel like Clay Thompson. He was still missing a lot of those shots coming around screens or felt like he was kind of pressing a little bit, which, hey, ended up working off. I'm pretty sure Steve Kerr. See, if he wouldn't take their shots, if Steve Kerr didn't want him to take their shots, I'm pretty sure Steve Kerr bet on the fact that we're going to need you and we need you shooting him because you're going to start making him at some point. We don't want you to shy away from That's your game. I'm not going to tell a guy not to play his game. So I think that's eventually what happened with Clay. Um, I, I felt like the Celtics were deeper for the first three games and then Curry, on even the first four for most of the first four games, I thought, outside of game two. So for, I think, three out of the first four games, I think the Celtics looked the deeper team up until where Steph Curry just kind of took over in game four. And from there, this everybody followed suit. I mean, Wiggins looked like a new man. Uh, Draymond Green played much better basketball down the stretch. Klay Thompson played better basketball. Jordan Poole played a lot more freer and was knocking down shots you know, more. Kevon Looney started to rebound the basketball better. So you can go down the list it, 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 in terms of who you think's deeper. And they did match up very well. You and me talked about it at the beginning of the playoffs. Um, that these two teams and the Bucks were the three teams I think that matched up the best. Yeah, we said those teams could match up with almost anyone in the playoffs. So if they make it through the noise they were supposed to make it through, um, 
the Warriors really weren't going to face much. I mean, Luka's a great player, but Luka's only one man. Uh, the Grizzlies' yeah. jaw getting hurt, that's a benefit why they didn't go, like, I think go six or seven with that young Grizzlies team, um, which is, gonna I think, going to be back uh, to play that Warriors team next year, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but they matched up very well. Rob Williams and Draymond match up very well, or Rob Williams and um, at that point, Al, Al, Rob Williams or Al Horford would match up well with Draymond and Looney. And then, you know, Wiggins and Brown and Tatum and Thompson or however you want to play those two. And then Steph and Marcus Smart, your defensive player of the year guard, who might be the first defensive player of the year to not play any defense. But I just, I just, game six, the flops in game five and game six, just absolutely, absolutely just mind boggling. But, yeah, I, I don't totally agree with the Celtics being the outright deeper team. I don't disagree, like, totally either. Like, I, I obviously, they're, they're the two best teams in the league. Did I think that one was outright? Yeah. Did I did I think that one was outright more talented and deeper than the other? No. Did I think that the, the Bucks were a better team than the Celtics if Chris Middleton's healthy? Yes, but that still, the two best teams in the league are undoubtedly because of the two teams in the finals. They're the two two best teams to make it there. I don't think anybody was outright better than the other. But yes, the Celtics looked to be the deeper team earlier in that series. So that and and obviously when Steph totally swung the momentum, the uh, the Warriors followed suit. The whole team, you know, because Steph, you know, Steph struggled in game uh, game five. Only had sixteen points. He didn't have the forty three that he had. Um, but his team picked him up, much like in game one with Jason Tatum. Did not play that well and deferred, and a lot of his teammates made shots. And the Warriors are okay with that, because even in, in Game Five, a lot of Steph's teammates picked him up. And I think that, you know, you're going to have that happen, and that's why the Warriors team won this championship. I mean, for you know, Steph swung the momentum, but the Warriors as a whole organization, you know, won that championship. Wiggins playing well down the stretch. Like I said Clay Thompson playing well. Jordan Poole, Peyton. You know, Draymond really stepping up, almost having a triple-double in Game 6. For the Warriors was the championship experience because uh, you could see in some games, although they went down, they didn't panic and, and they weren't poised. Because I mean, they were po- poised because a lot of times the uh, the Celtics, they, they look like they're panicking or they, um, you know, they they just you could tell they haven't been there before, and we gotta remember this Warriors team. They, they won the most games in NBA history. They've been here over and over and over again. So like I feel like that was a big difference um, in the Warriors and the Celtics in this uh, series. Yeah, like I said, they, they, a lot you can say a lot about experience in terms of age, right? I mean, a lot experience and age, like the Spurs, but. At the same time, like there's there's a lot of those guys in the Warriors still in their primes and can still play basketball mm-hmm. at a high level. So like you know if you want to say like if there's teams that have like 37, 38, 39 year old superstars, yeah yeah that's like oh LeBron's got more experience and he's like 40 and he's he's hurt now like that's different from saying like hey Steph's been here before and he's 34 like they yeah, can still yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like it's like people say oh it was experience versus youth. Well. Not necessarily, because Steph's still pretty much in his prime, still playing at an incredibly high level. You know, Wiggins is going into his prime. Draymond's probably on the tail end of his prime. Clay's probably on the tail end of his prime with the injuries, but still, you know, it can hang on for a year or two more. Like, these guys aren't a year away from being done. They're a year away from not being who they used to be. So, I, I you know what I'm saying? That's, like, where I kind of, like, with people, I would go at them and say, eh, not necessarily. You hear that term a lot of people say where, like, you have to learn to win, and then you see, like, some people, like, 
with Michael Jordan. He, you know, lost a couple times in the uh, Eastern Conference. LeBron, when he went to the finals, you know, the first couple times, he didn't uh, win either. So, like, you hear it that some people have to learn how to win. And I feel like that was a thing for the Celtics because being in the finals, they did not know how to win a championship yet. Like, even Al Horford, their veteran, hasn't been to the finals. So he couldn't, like, you know, rally the troops and, yeah, I mean, he's been what a hundred and plus, hundred almost two hundred games now in the playoffs without uh, without a final championship. I think he's going to be like the most ever, one of the highest like counts ever of that. No, uh, I didn't even know that's an interesting stat. Yeah, I think he, I think he might be the longest, uh, m- most amount of playoff games without a title. I think is what his title is what he holds right now, which is mm. got to be the worst, one of the worst stats to hold. Yeah. Like a lead for like that's nobody's fault that just sucks like you're like obviously you're instrumental to your team's success no matter what no matter where you are but to to never have made it over the top no matter what at any age like that just flat out sucks but again to go into the rest of what he said in terms of jason tatum fumbling the bag um i agree i agree i agree i'm not gonna put the entire series on jason tatum because you know they're not there without Jason Tatum's play in the regular season. They're not there without his play against his, his game-winning shot against Brooklyn. I mean, with the sweep, he played well against Brooklyn. Defended Kevin Durant very well. I, I'm not going to sleep on his defense either because he still provides defense. He still played well defensively, no matter what way. Um, just our expectations are skewed. I'm not going to, you know, you can't pick and choose when you want to commend the guy. Be like, well, you know, he didn't score and didn't shoot the ball in the fourth quarter once or make a single buck in the fourth quarter. But he played great defense and he passed the ball. Like. When this entire year have you been telling me about his defense and him passing the ball? You can't pick and choose when you want to commend him for certain things. Um, I absolutely think he deferred and shrunk in the moment. And he's he's 24 years old. He's five years in the league. Um, people will use the injury, you know, the injury kind of cop out, which I disagree with. But he very well may have been hurt, but there's other guys that were hurt too and still performing. So what did you think about uh, Jason Tatum's finals performance? I felt like... Um... Jason Tatum, he he played he played just under okay because um, in this day and age in this NBA, your best player can't average twenty one points and you win. I think the best player has to average at least twenty five. So that's where he didn't show up, and his shooting percentage was too low, thirty six point seven percent from the field. That's not gonna get it done. So I feel like there was ways um, he you know, absolutely folded in the moment and didn't show up. But I feel like there was also um, factors like players around him and, you know, uh, his spot as far as coaching on what they could have done to help him be more successful. But he definitely didn't show up. So the stat that I saw that, like, totally threw me for Luke was Luke Cornett had more points in the fourth quarter in the last five minutes than Jason Tatum did in the series. And, like, that exists on its own, like – you know, like, obviously some stuff affects that because he played in garbage time and yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, that can't happen. That Like, no matter what, like, way you try to rationalize that, that is that just can't happen. It just it just flat out can't. I know all these games were decided by double-digit points. It's just your number one player, it can't happen. It's just unacceptable for that to happen. Um, he just looked uninterested in some of those games. And, there's like I said, there's an Instagram DM that I'll go through, too, talking about, like, what I just didn't see to be the case. Like, yeah, could guys have made more shots around him? Yeah, but, like, at the same time, like, they might have used all those shots in game one because he wasn't there. So, at the end of the day, you know, 
you have to make some sort of winning play. Steph had 16 points. It felt like he had 30 because of how big his layups were. The passing, the passes he made to Looney and Draymond on that run to end that game in Game 5. Like, and obviously what he still was able to do to get Wiggins into positions to score and the respect that he garners because everybody said, well, Jason Tatum's getting doubled every time. He was not getting doubled every time down the court. Now, would they double him in the post when Steph was on him because he had a mismatch? Absolutely. And it's on him to to, pa- to get out of those double-team situations to pass the ball sooner, which he did a lot better this year. I will credit him with that. Um, his he, I think he was much more uh, matured in the fact that he got rid of the ball sooner, a split second sooner, instead of putting his teammate in a bad position and just getting rid of the ball. He actually put people in a position to score, which is what I want out of my out of, out of my you know 24 year old elite wing player who was an All NBA first teamer. I want to see that maturity and him being able to get rid of the ball in situations and trust his teammates. But then as the moment began to get you know bigger and bigger, that pass wasn't as quick. He was slowed. He was hesitant. And it really, I think it really ended up showing. Now, whether he can develop into that guy or not, I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, there, like, it, it shows. And a big slice of the blame pie, I think, is going to fall upon his shoulders. Obviously, you know, Marcus Smart had his fair share of plays down the stretch in this series, too, that I think, you know, quite honestly, for lack of a better word, sucked. I mean, some of the technicals and the flops and everything, like, you know, I'm not going to totally put it on Jason Tatum. He was an All-NBA first-teamer, and you need more from him. But your defense, you, you know, your defensive player of the year guard is the first since Gary Payton, right? You know, Jimmy Butler's a guard, right? He's a, he's a wing. He's a guard forward. Was yeah, he's six, he's six, yeah. seven. Consider him a shooting guard, a small forward. He's a wing player. Marcus Smart's, yeah. what, a guard to wing defender. So anywhere between, you know, six, four. He should be able to guard some threes, right? You know, a player like Jimmy Butler that plays like Jimmy Butler. Um... Steph Curry, obviously a point guard, what six feet tall, about 180 pounds. Um, not not saying, not saying he's a a weak guy. Just I'm just because he's incredibly strong and incredibly conditioned to be able to do what he does at the level. I've credited that many times. But Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year guard. Those are two guards that are taking you for like 40 plus point games multiple times throughout the ECF in the finals. I get screens and switches and all that stuff, but at the end of the day. Like a lot of, I mean, you, you gotta gotta do something, right? I think what would have helped Jason Tatum a lot, and especially in fourth quarters, was um, I've I've never you know coached, so I, I'm obviously an NBA level coach. You know, probably knows more than me, but you see a lot of players like Kevin Durant and Paul George that play similar to uh, Jason Tatum. Instead of getting low post actions, they get kind of like high post face up. And when they get those actions, there's a lot of movement on the opposite side. So that way, where, you know, he a lot of his passes where there were turnovers, his back was completely to the basket. So that way it gives him a little bit more, you know, um, room because he's not used to making those type of passes. And it gives him a, a, a chance to make quicker decisions. And with the movement on the other side, if he does drive, maybe Kevon Looney or uh, Draymond Green, they're focused on the movement, and it gives him a little bit, you know, one less body to get um, to go through at the rim. So I feel like that would have helped him a lot. So I feel like sometimes it was like, you know, he's getting the ball at the top of the key, and that's he's getting from the top to the um, uh, mid-post area, and that's just a little bit extra work. And that's why the Celtics were able to guard Kevin Durant so well because Tyree's not a playmaker, so there's not, you know, there weren't actions to get him where he likes to get the ball. So he's going from the top of the key, and it's hard 
with NBA help defenses and everything to score just from the top of the key every single time, almost in isolation type basketball. Yeah, that's what I think. Marcus Smart, he really showed science as a playmaker throughout the season, but then, you know, as it went on, I mean, he's not the defense. He was he wasn't playing defense. He was flopping. You know, he's, he's flopping more more or less. He, he you know, turnovers. Him and Jason Tatum, you know, a lot of turnovers. I mean, Jalen Brown too. Jalen Brown ain't innocent in this. I mean, I think Jalen Brown showed me a lot more than either of the other two, but still a lot of turnovers from Jalen Brown. I mean, Jesus. I mean, the amount of times he's tripped over himself was insane in that series but again i think there's like i said those adjustments are the ones that we need to talk about so i'll go through uh the text from nick as well too to follow his call like i said i have a great um amount of respect for like people that are able to come back from like emotional like responses and then actually go through responses that are more logical and more like you know coaching wise so he went through and he said Thinking about how much better and deeper we were against the Dubs, which again we've we, we touched on that. I, it wasn't exactly clear cut, but do you think Coach Yudoka, like this is what you were mentioning, do you think Coach Yudoka could have managed the matchups better? We saw Horford trying to guard Curry way too much. I guess we lived and died by switching on screens, but on the other side of the ball, not much was drawn up to stop Wiggins from bullying our best player in JT. Which other side note, I know Wiggins was an All Star. In no way, shape, or form should Wiggins ever be bullying Jason Tatum. Um, again, that might come down to the injury that he had, but I just don't think that like that. That's again, just that statement cannot exist in a finals matchup, and once at least one you want to win. Um, I must ask: Was this Tatum not wanting the moment, or a failure to execute from coaching? So, like you said, obviously there's some coaching adjustments you could have made to put him in better position to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think some of it comes down to you know winning players make winning plays. Plain, plain, plain and simple, winning players make winning plays. Um, obviously, there were times where if you look at the last dance and you look at LeBron James, like they get the ball to guys in big moments, right? I mean, other guys hit big shots, but they're still making winning plays. Like, I think, what was the number of points that LeBron had leading up to Kyrie's three? Didn't LeBron have like almost 15 of the Cavaliers' points like consequently yeah, leading up? It was like 12 points or something. It was, it was something. Yeah, I, I get what you're, you're saying. For sure. Like and then like the he obviously he had the block too, um, and I'm not saying Tatum has to go off and score 50, but they're just again there's just a certain energy you have to feel from him in terms of like just standing around waiting for stuff to happen, even if you know initiate it, even if you're struggling to initiate it, you know. I mean, maybe he got annoyed with the fact that he had to initiate so much offense because the true playmaker couldn't get him the ball and he didn't have the right sets from Yudoka as to where he was like, well, guess what? If I'm not going to be in a position to succeed, you guys can figure it out. I don't like that out of my star player, but maybe he got annoyed. You know, maybe they weren't putting him in enough position to succeed. And he said, you know what? I'm done taking, I'm done isolating and trying to get to the rim every time he's getting fouled and nobody calling it because he's looking for a foul. And I'm done taking these step side step threes because I can't hit all of them, especially when they're really starting to close out on me. Like you guys can figure it out. If if if, if Marcus doesn't want to put us in the right position or Coach Udoka doesn't want to put us in the right position, then you guys can figure it out. If it comes to me and I have an open shot, I'll take it. Other than that, like get it out of my hands. And maybe that's not shrinking in the moment. Maybe that's just him being frustrated with what was in front of him. I'm not. Sh- I mean. I think they're, I'm sure it's a combination of the three. I still think that, you know, mentally, I just don't think he's there as a true superstar yet. He's still a star player, not a superstar player, um, even though he was first team all NBA. Obviously, there's probably stuff that Yudoka could have done better to put you know, all of his players in a better position to succeed. And I think some of it, too, might have come down to, you know, frustration in that sense that, 
you know, he was struggling. He, he wasn't getting foul calls and stuff like that. I think that was big for him because, um, like like I said, uh, people say the playoffs is uh, ref differently, and especially probably the finals. Uh, and when you're playing with players that are physical like Draymond Green and and with the fast pace of the Warriors, I feel like maybe he was fatigued and frustrated, so that was what kind of made him. You know, you've seen him a lot of times standing in the corner during the clutch moment, and I feel like that was it. I'm not trying to make excuses for him, but it, maybe – I, I'm not in his head, so I don't know exactly, but that could have been uh, some factors that why he wasn't showing up in a clutch. But um, I think a, a big uh, reason that um, the Celtics were kind of handicapped in the series was Robert Williams because, like you said, Steph Curry in the third and fourth quarter, uh, the end of the third and the most of the fourth quarter, he was, you know, being Steph Curry. And uh, if you see when uh, Robert Williams guarded the pick and roll, he guarded a lot better than Al Horford. And the Warriors were smart. You see Steve Kerr, they wouldn't attack Al Horford all game. They would, you know, play their game and run their sets. But towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter, they pick and rolled Al Horford as much as possible. So maybe they were like, that was a mind games, or maybe that was their strategy. But you, you notice it pick up in the fourth quarter, like especially the last game, the, the, the whole – uh, fourth quarter, it was just Al Horford on Steph, Al Horford on Steph, Al Horford. And because Robert Williams was hurt, you know, he can't really, you know, he's not as quick or you can't play him as much, you know, that, I feel like that handicapped them. Yeah. I mean, there were even sometimes where Marcus Smart, like, it wasn't even a screen. And they were so confused yeah. with switching on screens um, yeah. that Smart, it wouldn't even be a screen. And Smart was so, like, adapt to the switch, right? Everybody's so used to switching. That smart would like there was one vividly that I remember. He just bailed mid play, like it wasn't yeah. even a screen. He just kind of they were next to each other, but there was no screen being set. But they kind of bumped into each other through the traffic, and Smart just kind of bailed. And then it was Horford on Curry one on one, and that just it, again obviously had great success. There's the one that I saw too where he up faked Horford, and Horford obviously went by, and Steph hit that big three in the corner, which wasn't the deep one that he hit that I thought was the dagger. He pointed at his ring finger. But the one where Marcus Smart faked the nut tap, he you know he faked the nut tap. That was the most one of the most frustrating ones for me is where he faked the nut tap. Horford tries to close, you know, just helps, goes right by. Steph hits the three, but like he said, obviously a lot of adjustments to be made all around. And this is in terms of just like a Celtic standpoint. Um, the next text I have is from Chris Santos, friend of the show, guest on the show. Um, he wants to talk about Golden State's um, instead of talking about Golden State's offense. How about the defense? 97, 94. 97 points in game four, 94 points in game five, and 90 points in game six for the Celtics. So obviously held below 100 for those three straight games because the Warriors didn't score a ton. They scored over 100, but they didn't score a ton. Um, allowed in games four, five, and six. Clamped down. So are we being too hard on the Celtics and saying that they didn't do enough or Tatum choked or whatever it may be. Are we being too hard on the Celtics saying they underperformed and not giving enough credit to Golden State, not only for their shot making, but for their defense as well? Well, yeah, we are kind of because usually <clears throat> what happens in the finals is one of the best defensive teams in the league goes. And this year it was two pretty good defensive teams. And if you look at the Warriors' past with Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, they're great defensive teams. So um, I feel like Going into that, I kind of knew that, you know, the Warriors aren't uh, pushovers on defense. But with, again, the way that they were playing in the East, we were led to believe, like, okay, you know, the offense will still come, you know. 
And so I feel like that's probably why we're so, uh, you know, hard on the Celtics as far as offense than applying the um, Warriors defense. Yeah, you see Steph making all those threes. You don't think to say, like, man, they played great defense, too. And while Steph doesn't play great defense, I wouldn't even say good defense, he's scrappy. He finds a way to make impacts on defense. Like, on those times where, he, you know, he, he led Jason Tatum on into the post and Jason Tatum sized him up and, you know, in Jason Tatum's head, he's just, well, I got Steph. You know, I'm going to back Steph down. And Steph's able to give him enough of a nudge and know, understand the moment as to where he knows he's getting help from Draymond. He knows he's getting help from Kevon Looney. He knows someone's going to rotate to help him when someone kicks to the corner. And more often than not, they knock it out of Tatum's hands. So Steph wasn't isn't a liability defensively. They go at him a lot, and he takes a lot, and he's still able to produce offensively. But I will credit the Warriors, their rotations, their communication. Draymond said they had to fix a lot of that stuff, um, at least after that game one interview. They did absolutely did because they're again they're, they're championship pedigree experience coaching all of that they made the correct adjustments they really really strangled the celtics in terms of half court um their half court offense i mean obviously anybody can get out and run and transition the celtics are young they like to they like to throw those lobs to rob will rob will gets the block trails back down you know tatum and Jalen like to run in transition marcus smart really? likes to, marcus smart likes to run anywhere you really have to credit uh wiggins because um when you know, when you have that uh, trust in somebody that I, they can stay in front of Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum struggles like that, um, the rest of the players can stay at home. They don't have to help as much, so which makes it even tougher on uh, Tatum. So um, with Wiggins having Tatum struggling, it helps their overall defense because now I don't have to come as much. And, you know, these uh, some of these spot-up shooters and role players aren't getting as wide-open threes. Yeah, like I said, I think it was just the communication and everything. Wiggins, I mean, if there's like a second most valuable player were to go out, it goes to him. I mean, I don't think you can you take it away from Steph, but uh, just because and everybody was talking about Wiggins getting it because Steph had the one bad game, which I was like, no, it's, this is Steph's MVP, hands down, no doubt. He had thirty plus in he had thirty plus in five games. He had forty plus in one of those five, and. He had 16, and even the 16 that he had were very important buckets getting to the lane. He still impacted the game. So there's no way he wasn't going to get it. But Wiggins had an incredible series. I gained an immense amount of respect for him. And, yeah, they, I, I think their defense, I think, yeah, give him more credit as much as, like, you know, we're going to crush the Celtics and say they could have done X, Y, and Z better. I think that Golden State's defense absolutely does um, deserve a round of applause, too, because Clay wasn't the player he used to be. But Wiggins stepped into a role and played very good defense. Yeah. Uh, Gary Payton's a good defender. Draymond found his way in four, five, and six. Um, his rebounding was better. That's one thing we talked about too. Is like you yeah. can o- you can only run those undersized fives. Like Kevon Looney was a good rebounder in the regular season, but they were getting out rebounded. Uh, you look at, it, but as the series went on in those games, they won. Their offensive rebounds are better. Their defensive rebounding was better, um, and it came from guys that were undersized like Kevon Looney and Draymond Green because the Otto Porter thing worked off the bench, but it never really worked off the start. But um, that was set up by Kerr because Kerr, they, they talk, uh, that was a theory talking about how he didn't want Looney and Draymond on the court at the same time all the time. He wanted to split them up a little bit. So starting Porter for those couple of minutes would give him the ability throughout the game to get Draymond off the court and have just Kevon Looney and vice versa, be able to run them differently and then figure out when he could plug and play those guys as well as Otto Porter who eventually would come back around late in those games and knock down some threes. You know, it fixed his rotation a little bit. Even though if it was just four or five minutes early in the game, it helped him figure out his rotation more or less, which, again, that's another championship call from a great coach in Steve Kerr. 
Yeah, and and again, I always say if Robert Williams is uh, because if you look at the games the Celtics won or that were competitive, Robert Williams was killing the glass. So uh, him, and then it was even a game where Grant Williams was killing the glass. So if you um, if you look at um, him being healthy, how much could he have impacted that? Because when you get second and third chances, you know uh, he could turn twelve point leads into like four point leads. You know. Yeah, no, it's it's huge. It, it's I mean, I think Rob Williams gets a huge round of applause from anybody from Boston. If they had won that series, um, I think that you you get him up in the rafters. Number number forty four is hanging in the rafters, man. I think Celtics fans would have made sure of it. I mean, his shot blocking ability, his defense, his hustle. Um, at times in that game six, looked like he was the only one out there try, like like that cared. Um, before the Celtics went on that run, um, really was impressed by him. And it almost makes, I think personally for me, Marcus Smart a little expendable this offseason because you have a defensive player of the year where two guards go off scoring against you throughout the playoffs, like in, in the biggest series. And you have a center like that when he's healthy. He's one of the most dominant defenders in the league. So how many defenders do you really need at that elite level when you can get a guy that can play, let's say, good defense, but actually make plays for you, actually take some of the burden off of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? It's a question to be asked. I'm not sure. I mean, Brad Stevens. I mean, it's his second year in the big chair. I think he did pretty good in this first one. As much I don't. I mean, I don't really like to give credit to Brad Stevens, but you know, he traded for Al Horford, who we thought was a, and got rid of Kemba Walker's salary. And Al Horford actually really worked out. He listened to Emma Adoka about going to grab Derek White. Um, so some decisions to be made there, but all around. If you look at, if you look at Game One, where they you know um, had that great fourth quarter and they. Uh, you know, beat the Warriors pretty bad. Uh, Marcus Smart had nine assists. So, you know, I'm not saying every game has to be nine assists, but for him, if you're just going to, you know, shoot the ball, you have to make more plays. You have to make more plays. You're going to be a defensive player and just shoot, you know, stand on the corner. When you get the ball, you have to make plays. So that was that was, uh, that was a big thing that I, I think you should take a note out of Draymond's book. Like you, you had mentioned that, you know, Draymond, stay in your role. You know, when they sat Draymond down, do what you do, Draymond. I think Marcus Smart has to take a page out of Draymond's book because I see similarities in them very much, except that I don't believe Marcus Smart to understand his role. Draymond understands who he is. He even backpacked a couple threes in there along the way. You can do that. And Marcus Smart's not a bad shooter. He just takes bad shots. I think he's a good shooter when he takes good shots. I think he can knock down a three at a, at a good enough percentage to where I trust him shooting the ball. I think he takes bad shots that are low percentage. That It doesn't matter who you are. It's a low percentage shot. If you're Steph Curry, sure, go right ahead. I, you can take what you want. But if you're Marcus Smart, no, you're not taking the same shot selection as Steph Curry. And when he was working as a facilitator more and is playing defense and not flopping, and he's more involved, just involved in the game instead of being involved with himself, he's a much, much better player. I agree. I agree. Um the last person I think he gets the least of the blame is Jalen uh, Brown. I feel like he was solid, and I think he played his roles. It was times where, you know, he shot a couple bad shots, you know, forcing the issue. But I think the biggest thing for him is they have to recognize that he can play. He's a good playmaker as well, and in the second half, he has to be more. I feel like in the second half, he does a lot of, like, you know, widen up where I feel like he should have the ball in his hand just as much as Tatum. I don't think it should be like a a one two, but I think it should be like a one A, one B, like LeBron tried to make it with him and Kyrie. 
Yeah, I, they, they iced them out of those games way, way too much. Because by the time you wanted to go back to him and could rely on him, um, he, he would be iced out. He didn't have the touch. He didn't have the feel for the game anymore because he was so uninvolved. And it wasn't lack of trying on his part. You know, he tried to get involved. In some of those games, he did take over and made shots. But in some of those games, he couldn't make those shots because he was so uninvolved in the game as it went on. So I have no problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have no problem with someone. Like, I do have a problem if you're not making the shots. Like, but at least you try. At least, you know, you know, Tatum was at least trying to try to do something different. You know, Jalen Brown in that game one, like, it really came down to him taking charge there and going on that run for the Warriors before they started shooting yeah. the ball as well as they did. So I gained a lot of respect for Andrew Wiggins and Jalen Brown uh, in this series. You know, Clay, Curry, Draymond, I think they showed exactly what they've always been. I think when it came down to the winning plays, everybody knows who they are now. And if you didn't, if you didn't before, if you kind of forgot or thought they were washed, clearly they showed up and showed you exactly why they've done what they've done and continue to do what they do. So before I go to the last two calls, because someone called in while we were recording, um, I got a, a little DM, not argument, but conversation with someone. And uh, they posted the thing where it showed, you know, Tatum, how many 30-point games he had, who he beat on the way, stuff like that. You know, all of, like, you know, compare, being compared to young LeBron in his first finals appearance, you can go through and talk about what you want to talk about. You know, hey, listen, I think the team had a great run, but I think in the end, you know, he did let the team down. As good of a playoffs as he did have, as good of a season he did have, I go he wasn't at his best. He, he, he I think it did hurt the team. And then... And I respect this kid. I'm not gonna throw his name out there, but I do respect this kid. But it's just how it is. Celtics fans sometimes, Boston fans. He was casual. Now, now, now you call me a casual fan. Now, and this is where I start to. Now, I'm like, all right. Well, in that case, he's a choking fraud. I call him Deuce Tatum Jr. Because Deuce Tatum stood taller than him in the fourth quarter. I went off. I was like, you know what? You want to call me a casual fan? He goes, he goes, yeah, that's casual. Like I that 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 one that one I deserved. That one I deserve. Call it saying that Deuce, yeah. call him Deuce Tatum Jr. because Deuce Tatum t- stood taller than him. Hundred percent, hundred percent deserved to be called casual after that. But my original comment, I don't really think it was casual. He was plus he's the only reason we got close and shined all season until the finals. But buy into mainstream media. You of all people know that I don't buy into mainstream media. I had that take long before everybody was saying saying that Jason Tatum wasn't wasn't there yet or isn't there or isn't gonna be it. And, um, you know, I was like, if you look at their efficiency in the fourth quarter throughout the regular season, you can look at it fourth quarter efficiency, fourth quarter closing numbers and all that. They're one of the bottom teams. Now, were they blowing a lot of teams out and up big on a lot of teams because of their defense in the regular season? Yes. But in the finals, you got to play four quarters. You got to count to four, four wins, four quarters. Nothing's over till it's over. That efficiency came back to hurt them. And I'm sure when you finally look back at the numbers of all these teams in their fourth quarter efficiency late, uh, you lean upon your superstar in those moments, and that's why I think that they, you know, weren't as good in those moments. And he goes again. This is why you're casual. Um, gonna blame efficiency on a wing, not a point guard. He goes, Marcus Smart outright atrocious the whole series, which caused Tatum to have to bring the ball up way more than he has all season. Yeah, I, point, I I think I think there's some truth to that. Um. I think he's smart struggle as a playmaker, but at the same time, there's still a lot of isolation situations that Tatum gets himself into anyways. You know, I think Tatum wants the, I, I, I want Tatum to want it. Like, I don't, like, like I said, maybe Tatum got annoyed. He didn't want the ball anymore. Maybe that's why he went and stood in the quarter. Maybe he's not, uh, not big enough for the moment. Maybe he just got annoyed that he's taking the ball up so much. Um, I, but then he, anyways, he goes on. 
Was that honest? I don't know. Like late, late in those games, though, he, like he wasn't taking the ball up. He looked uninterested. Maybe he was annoyed, like I said, but he just looked uninterested. He wouldn't really ask for it. Like, it was smart. It was poor. Don't get me wrong. Like the dude should have to revoke his DPOY for the flopping I saw. And on top of that, he just threw up all over himself in any type of big moment throughout the entire playoffs. But like Jalen's the only one who looked like he wanted to take any type of charge in big moments. And he goes, Jason couldn't score because he was being double and triple teamed every play, which not necessarily true because no one around him could create shots for themselves, which I think that's some truth, some not truth. Like why, why would you ice Jalen Brown out of the game and then complain about, you know, Jason Tatum having to take too much of the bird and then being double and triple team when you have a guy in Jalen Brown who can create for himself. You know what I'm saying? Like, and from there, it was the reason Jason is phenomenal is because he's one of the rare wings who can score himself and facilitate, which is where I totally disagree. If you're a, an elite wing player, it is your job to score for yourself in a in, in facilitate. Like that is your job. He's not. That's not rare. Jason Tatum is not a rare player. Yeah, we LeBron can score and facilitate for himself. Kobe could facilitate and score for himself. You know, saying facilitate and score for himself. Michael Jordan could score for himself and facilitate. We can go down all the elite wing players that have ever played in the NBA. Like that's their job. Like I'm not gonna like. He's not some rare talent. Because but part of facilitating is having guys around you to put the ball in the basket, and none of them could do that. That being said, Tatum sucked, but no one could pick him up. Which hey, it's it's whatever, it's whatever. I mean, I don't I don't like the idea of like being in the finals and my superstar having to be picked up, right? Like, why go, if you go to the finals with your number one playing well, why should they have to pick him up in the biggest moments of the season? Mm-hmm. I just don't see. I mean, like, given given they like one game they picked him up in the first game, okay. Stephen Curry got picked up for one game, but for five of the other ones, he was the dude. So like I you 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 get to pick up a superstar once in a while, but to like carry them through a series was picking up and just carrying. And, and that's where I feel like um, almost any other team in the West they beat, but with Golden State they've dealt with LeBron and Kawhi. You know what I'm saying? So when it when it comes to Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum's not either of those players. So, as far as what we got, I could have, I could have got a little more. But honestly, what did we expect from Jason Tatum against a team that good? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Celtics fans expect a lot. But like I said, you get, you want, especially once you get there too. I'm not going to call it a failed season because you lost. But I will say this though: is that you can't be. I wouldn't be so as happy with it as I would if they had gone there and like lost in five. Like you know what, we spent all our gas, spent all our chips. The thing is, like for me, is like, hey, if you if you're up two one a ser- in a series, there's still some questions to be asked. Like you should have, if you're up two one, like not saying you should have won the series, but to lose three in a row after being up two one, that's kind of an, kind of kind of an ex- kind of inexplicable. I think I think they, there was a lot he could improve from. I think maybe I'm not trying to change the way he plays, but he could, uh, you know, gain like five or ten pounds of muscle, so that way he isn't trying to draw fouls when he goes to the rack, and probably you know trying to finish through people that would help because he has a long wingspan too so that would help um and i feel like they just have to play through Jalen brown a little bit more if they're gonna stick with marcus smart i just feel like you gotta play through Jalen brown a little bit more than they do hey lucas it's weird again so of course it was a very sad game six for celtics fans and i do want to give you a interesting question yet again so we're going to be playing the what-if game at the moment because, listen, I don't know as much about the team. 
if the Celtics don't have a lot of cap room to work with this offseason, do you believe the move is to possibly get rid of Jason Tatum for, how do you say this, like debt, draft pick? Because we clearly saw a small sample size of him in the finals, and we wished we obviously could have seen more from him. All the turnovers, all the missed shots. Just didn't look like he was like himself out there. But I feel like, in my personal opinion, is that if Boston doesn't have a lot of money to work with to get some of those big players to join the team, whether it be maybe Bradley Beal, I'm hearing rumors that we could see Shy Gilgis Alexander could be on the move eventually, DeJounte Murray possibly, who the heck knows. But I just want to ask you, if Boston doesn't have a lot of money to work with, should we just move on from Tatum and just let Jalen Brown win the show? Thank you, man. You're gonna go first to me. So I'll go I'll go I'll go first. Um I believe to talk about moving off of Tatum probably premature, but if you're but if you're going to talk about moving off of Tatum, it has to be for another superstar, right? It has to be for like I talked about Trey Young. I talked about, like, it has to be for a dude. DeJounte Murray, Shy Gilgis Alexander, Bradley Beal are all great players. But right now, Jason Tatum is better than all of them. So you have to get picks with them. Um, I don't think you're lacking cap room. I think the Al Horford contract currently is going to suck unless he restructures. Um, and you got to work with some money. But I don't think trading him away for depth or draft picks is going to help or solve any problems. It's only going to create more. I feel like it's two things that fix the... Um the Celtics and they could try again with the same team. I think they can keep Marcus Smart. I think they can keep everyone. I think one, you have to go get a vet point guard. Perfect situation would be Roger and Rondo. I feel like you get a vet point guard, somebody to help Marcus Smart understand like, okay, when it comes to being a PG, this is where you can improve. You can still be that role player shooting. Because, uh, you know, even Rondo with LeBron, he's played on the wings and like, you know, conform to a team but I feel like you get that to help Marcus Smart and you have to have a player hopefully like a four on the bench I can't think of anyone right now but that can move their feet a little bit better so if you want to play small ball or if you want just the four out there somebody so when they're attacking our Horford like that you can get them in and they can move their feet or, you know, so Steph Curry doesn't get off like that. I feel like those are the two things that they can fix and try again. doesn't mean they win, but I feel like those are the two things that were just, you know, glaring to me as far as, like, as far as moves. Yeah, my friend threw out there a couple of things. He threw Vucevic out there as a possibility to add. Um, John Collins is obviously out there, but he's expensive, especially with Horford's yeah, contract. Uh, Sabonis just got moved um, from the Pacers, but, I mean, like, yeah, there's some there's some guys there's some dudes out there that obviously could fit into that four uh that four role um he also said too you know Aaron Neesmith I mean Aaron Neesmith could take a step too I'm not saying he's going to be a four but he can play some defense yeah. and shoot off the bench that's a guy that you might look to for the Celtics to um to grow and to to add into that rotation that can do some different things for you because obviously I mean I think Peyton Pritchard like obviously you like to get him better defensively but just physically he's going to be limited so the real goal there is going to be just to have Peyton Pritchard become like an absolute knockdown shooter, right? Give you six, nine points off the bench. And on nights where he doesn't have it, you get three minutes from him. That's what, that's, that's how it's going to be. Um, so, you know, we obviously covered a lot of the Celtics. What do you think, do you think the Warriors can run it back? Um, and 
if you do, what do you think it'll take for them to do that? Or if you don't think they can run it back as of right now, what do they have to do to get back over the hump and into the finals? I feel like the Warriors uh, have a great chance to come back, but I feel like there's only one thing that James Wiseman has to be healthy next year because I feel like with LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis coming back, and then I feel like the the Mavericks just picked up Christian Wood. Um, <clears throat> who knows? Next year you might see. I mean, not if uh, unless they make some moves, but if you see like Rudy Gobert, anything, Kawhi and uh, Paul George coming back. If you don't have that size down low, I feel like other teams will take advantage because LeBron James and AD will certainly take advantage. Kawhi will take advantage, and and you know I feel like. That's one of the biggest things that Mavericks needed was a center when they were uh, playing against the um, Warriors that I feel like Kevon Looney just looked a little too good. Draymond Green looked a little too good. And if you have, you know, a center or a power forward that can, you know, bang with them, I feel like it could have – Luka could have uh, made things a little bit more, you know, interesting. So I feel like James Wiseman has to be uh, healthy. Two, Clay has to be a little bit more Clay than he was, you know, he, it got through, it got by. He, it, being that clay, they could still get pretty far, but I feel like if he's clay that we used to know, then, yeah, they, they definitely have a great chance to come back. And some of the young guys, I don't know specifically their contracts or anything, but some of those players like Otto Porter, I think he's on a one-year, and, like, he showed that he's valuable to a team. Does he get picked up, you know? Um, Jordan Poole, I don't know when his contract, but, like, a lot of those young guys can play, and they're going to want their playing time and their money, so... We'll see how that goes forward. Yeah, the, the intriguing thing with Porter and some of those other role players, like Kevon Looney, who's going to be up for a contract, right? Um, Wiseman comes back. He can play the five, right? He's a long, athletic five. Um, you got Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga waiting in the wings. And I I was begging for Kaminga early in the series. Um, even as a stretch five, Kaminga playing like a, a small ball five because he's athletic. You know, he can, he can jump. He's physical. Um, he can really do a lot of things. Would you see? Do you see Jonathan Kaminga making that jump next year too, and maybe to replace one of those players? Maybe not finding a free agent, but you know, Kaminga or Moody growing into a role, and then from there, do you see like maybe even Kaminga playing as a stretch five? Uh, I see them playing a lot because the thing about it, the Warriors like to develop young talent, so they'll give them an opportunity to play. But I feel like uh, the reason we didn't see him is they don't think he's ready for like a finals or a playoffs. I mean, they did have one game against the Mavericks where they showed like. Hey, I'm I'm here, but then again, the Mavericks had their role players out too. So, I, I feel like with the Warriors, uh, they feel like the their main core probably got to one more or two more in them. So, um, they're gonna let the young guys develop. They obviously have a great um, you know staff over there in developing young guys. So, they're gonna get their chances, but it may be another couple years before they get like meaningful you know playoff minutes. So I got one more call. Um, I haven't proof listened to this one yet, so this is going to be first time through, so let me get this all set. Yo, Lucas, it's your boy Jacob. Listen, I know we're talking finals. I know everybody wants to talk finals right now. Man, I do not care because that was a weak finals, bro. Honestly, like the most probably boring finals I ever watched. Not great, not none. Everybody's like, oh, Warriors don't want to see him next season. You know, you don't want to see Lucas next season? You want to see the Pelicans, boy? I'm coming in here with this Pelicans talk because Herb Jones about to be shooting 36% on three, about to draft the shooter. 
man, we go match shooting. Our defense is going to be way better than what happened there. They're not coming out the West next season. So Celtics don't got to worry about that. We'll handle that. They're not coming out the West next season. All right, listen. Hey, it's, it's I'm just saying, Zion comes back, realize a superstar, and God forbid the slander that that man got all last season, no recognition for anything, playing absolutely out of his mind. All right? Still was hurt. There's a fully health, full health, squ- uh, healthy squad here. All right? Warriors ain't coming out of the West. That's all I'm saying. Celtics, Kit Sands, all those people, chill out. You ain't playing them. I'm telling you right now. Pelicans time, baby. Pelicans time. Healthy squad. Pelicans time. It was kind of cutting in and out. Like, I heard half of it. I mean, that was just... That was a big Pelicans fan calling in. This is a large <laughs> Pelicans fan. Um, yeah, I mean, that's another conversation to have. I mean, like, obviously, both of these... Both of the conferences are going to change wildly. Healthy Chris Middleton. Then again, you don't know who's going to be healthy when it comes around to playoff time next year. Um, I think it's the Bucks conference to lose next year with a healthy Chris Middleton, but you know, Kevin and Kyrie with actual role players and a roster surrounding them with a full season under them. Um, obviously, in the West, the Warriors are going to be a couple years older. They're going to have some guys with some contracts and stuff to figure out there. Luka and the Mavericks are going to get better. Zion's back for the Pelicans, like mentioned there. So, that's he said. He mentioned there. Zion's back. CJ McCollum, Herb Jones played well. I mean, Brandon Ingram. Brandon Brandon Ingram is like a budget KD in 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 Jason Tatum, and it's not budget like dollar store budget. I'm talking like fake Yeezys. Like you're still paying like decent money for them, but like they're not 300. You're paying 100 as opposed to like paying five bucks for like some sunglasses as opposed to Oakleys or something. So. See, uh... I like the mellow comparison on uh on uh Brandon Ingram. Think he's similar to Mello? Like Carmelo? Yeah, I like that. He just shoots threes better. He's just a better three point shooter. But yeah, he's yeah. it's the arrow though. It's the arrow of course he's Yeah. Hey, I appreciate the call, Jacob. I also I I gotta thank every caller uh right now. I think that's a safe place to to call this one. It's gone on for a while because I did screw up my microphone there. I was muted for like ten minutes we were talking and that was that was terrible. But that's a it's an error on my part, but Israel, thank you for joining me today. I don't want to hold you up any much any more longer. Um, I'll have this out. Thank you, man. Have this it's out a soon. To have you, man. This was fun. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to do it again when it comes to like NBA preseason stuff. I also got another friend that's a big basketball guy. Maybe even get like a whole roundtable going for one episode. You know, what I'm saying like four or five guys. See if we can make that happen. But again, I really enjoyed this one. Thank you for joining me, Israel. Uh, if you guys did enjoy, be sure to comment, subscribe, like, follow him and all, all of his social medias, um, and call in at 508-216-0858 to let me know what you thought. More topics will be coming for the next episode. I think we've got another guest coming on this week, too, so uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. But uh, that's it for, for Israel and for myself. Thank you, guys. Signing off.